Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. What's the story, Wishbone? What's this you're dreaming of? Such big imagination on such a little part. What's the story, Wishbone? Do you think it's worth a look? It kind of seems familiar, like a story from... Welcome to Wistful Thinking, a podcast where we revisit favorite pieces of pop culture from our childhood to see if they're still as good all grown up. I'm Cara Gale Regan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jordan Poland-Clark. Hi! And our guest today is Brian Rodriguez, co-host of the P.S. I Love Hoffman podcast about the career of Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is also uh, here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Yeah. I'm so excited. I mean, it's very weird not to be with my co-host, Kyle Reinfried. And yes, he's making me mention his name in the first two minutes. Part of our deal here, but that's okay. But I'm happy to be a part of Wistful Thinking. I am a fan. I've been listening. It's uh, it, it's probably my favorite of the new run Cage Club podcasts. Oh, podcasts. Thank you. You know, so I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a few episodes from the classic PBS kids series Wishbone, which ran from 1995 to 1998 on PBS affiliates nationwide and uh, aired in syndication through 2008. The show's title character is a Jack Russell Terrier, so he's actually a dog, who lives with his owner Joe Talbot in the fictional town of Oakdale, Texas. He daydreams about being the lead character of stories from classic literature, and it is cute as hell. Brian, why was Wishbone the first thing that you picked? I mean, so people like to do these podcasts and like to go back to stuff, and there's always this familiar stuff, but Wishbone's one of these things that I felt like hasn't necessarily held up nostalgia-wise. Held up's the wrong word. More, um, I never hear anyone talking about it, but when I thought Mm -hmm. back to, like, I'll put it this way. Half the books I read, I probably just watched Wishbone. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And, like, I'll feel like I've read a book, and then I'm like, wait a minute. There's no (laughs) way I read this book. What the? Oh, Wishbone. (laughs) And I think this happened because, as, like, a younger kid, I was really into reading Rainbow. That's, like, one of my Mm. favorite shows of all time. And I kind of, I don't know. The Reading Rainbow books are, like, younger kids' books. Like, I think cooler stuff happened on Reading Rainbow, but... (laughs) Like, Wishbone tackles some really, like, heavy books. Like, uh, uh, by adult, I don't mean, you know, porn adults, but, like, adult books, you know? Like... Adult themes. Themes, yes. And not necessarily, um, like, crazy stuff, but, like, books that I still probably wouldn't read right now because they're way too long. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was watching this, like, today as an adult. I was, like, having, like flashbacks of like oh that seems like it would be hard to read <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so true and and it just i really wanted to revisit it i saw that like a lot of the episodes are on youtube i think maybe all of them are on youtube i'm not sure mm-hmm. so i just, I just are. picked a random bunch pretty random and i had fun watching it i'll put it that way yeah so yeah how how old were you when you were watching this the first time I kind of have no idea. So I'm 30 now. Uh, I guess, when did it originally air? 1995 Nin- to 1998. Yeah, 95 to 98, like you said. I Maybe I watched it first run. I, I was. I feel like that was kind of even old, though. I don't know. But, That's why. Yeah. Okay, so I never saw this show, and I assumed that it was because I was too old, but that's not true, because I'm only 31. I'm Yeah, I don't know. Um I have, like, uh, two younger siblings, so maybe they were watching it, and I was just, like, again, watching it with them. I don't really recall, like, going, running to my TV and watching Wishbone. I just know I saw these shows, and I know that's, like, how I got this, like, book knowledge. Well, my understanding of most of classic literature also comes from Wishbone, um, and I'm the same age, and I definitely watched it when it was on. So, I mean, I, I, because that would be that age of, like, eight, nine, ten years old 
um, which keeps kind of coming up on this show as like a really compelling age for like I was talking about in the last episode with uh, Pete and Pete with little Pete he's kind of at that age where you start to realize that everything is a lie (laughs) and I think that that happens usually like around nine or ten years old so it's it's in the same window that we kind of keep coming back to which I find really interesting but this show, wait, let's talk about that for a second, because, like, I, I assumed that I was too old for this show, because watching it today, it's, like, so wholesome. And I was like, I would not have watched that when I was 10. Oh, my God. It, this show is so hokey, and it's so, like, <laughs> just uh, pure. Like, yeah. I mean, you guys talk about a lot of these things, right, where it's, like, kid stuff, but there's definitely built-in adult jokes. Wishbone does not have that. That's not true. It had two of them. Really? But they they weren't jokes though. Like and so so I've only seen the three episodes that we watched today, but I picked up two references to adult movies that kids wouldn't have understood. And they weren't jokes. They weren't like funny. But in the one episode, he said, "Here's looking at you, tree," which is a quote from Casablanca, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. true. Um, I guess I take then, that for granted. And then in um. In the Bark to the Future one, like, the music was the Back to the Future theme music, which, you know, a little kid probably wouldn't understand. I guess that makes sense. I just, I I didn't, like, see it on first watch. You're a better watcher than me, clearly. (laughs) I think I was just bored. (laughs) I was, like, looking for stuff. (laughs) But it's not, there's not, I don't know. There's an aspect of that that I kind of really like, though. And I think that's what um, maybe drew me to it even then just the opposite of like necessarily like trying to be too smart so i don't know if you guys like researched like the guy who started this but there's there wasn't a lot online about him so i had to do like a really deep dive oh enlighten us because you're right there wasn't uh, the wikipedia article about the show was rather light (laughs) yeah no there's not much at all but like i watched um some videos of the guy from like the i think it was a texas film anthology website or some uh website that just like documented document stuff that I'm sure no one watches these videos but he's what's his name I don't even remember his name uh Jim Ruddy I believe Jim Ruddy is his name and he just seems like this dude who wanted to educate kids and have like no agenda about it and it's like that kind of old PBS system right where local guy would get some funding usually government funding start a show gets picked up and then the other syndicates pick it up and mm-hmm. take it from there and i, I think that's pretty well, awesome that's, yeah that's actually still exactly how pbs works great i that, mean like the, the vast majority of their programming actually comes from local affiliates and then they get picked up and distributed uh nationwide yeah and, and that's awesome that like this guy is just this seems like this regular guy because he didn't do anything before that he didn't do anything after that he just did this show <laughs> and he just his wanted to like opus. have kids he says it like a million times in these things. He's like, oh, I, ju- I just want to have um, kids have their first taste of real good literature with a dog. And it's like, good job, guy. <laughs> can, can we talk about how it was with a dog? <laughs> of course. Sometimes I had trouble with that. <laughs> I, it's my favorite part of the show. Mine t- I'm a dog so lover. Cute. I work, and, um... work with dogs as my regular job. Unfortunately, I do not get paid for the P.S. I Love Hoffman podcast. So I guess that's the big thing that draws me in. So why do you hate dogs? I don't hate dogs. <laughs> I am a cat person. I do not hate dogs. But it took me it took me a little while to get used to watching a dog. People treat a dog as if he were a human, especially in um in Homer Sweet Homer, because um the women treated him as if he was a sexual human. <laughs> and it was still just a dog. So. Um, so that took uh, took a little bit of getting used to for me. It well, I didn't think it was as strange in the other episodes, but they were like calling him my love and my sweet. And I was like, okay, that's a dog and his son. That dog's son was really hot. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking um, that was the weirdest as- aspect to me, like that that was his son, and like it, I don't know, it, it was it was just funny. But whatever, I mean, he's. He's daydreaming. So the the creator of this, uh, again, his name Jim Ruddy, he said he was really inspired by Walter Mitty and just like 
the daydreaming nature of it. And and again, we're supposed to, in the language of the show, we're supposed to understand that Wishbone is just a very well-read pup (laughs) who tends to daydream his books. And, you know, only selected chapters of the books, but that's not Mm -hmm. here nor there. Do you think that, like, he does the reading for Joe? Because Joe, his owner, doesn't seem like a very, uh, (laughs) you know, dedicated student. And I'm wondering, like, was he forcing his dog to do all of his homework? Mm. Because I would. I mean, if I had a dog that could read, like, that dog would be. (laughs) Well, but let's clarify. The humans in this show, Joe and his mom and his friends, don't know that Wishbone's talking. No, only the... Only the ones in the daydream book thing. When Wishbone plays a character, other people can hear him. But when Wishbone's just Wishbone, only we can hear him. And they're just his thoughts. Except for that one time when he wrote a note in that other episode. <laughs> yeah, the note about the fractions. <laughs> well, well, he wrote a note? Wait, how did I miss that? <laughs> I, I don't remember that either. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't paying great attention. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that um, didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. He held up a note in his mouth that had a note about fractions, and that's how Joe learned to do the math. He wrote the note, though. I don't know where the note came from. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> well, but it was suspicious how helpful the dog was. Well, he's clearly like, more intelligent than a regular dog in the real life scenes. He, yes. He, he like they do. Know. They do treat him kind of like a person. Like when he became the mascot. <laughs> For the uh, for the basketball team, the mom was like, "Well, I dropped Wishbone off. You can take him home. See you later." And she just left the dog like running around in the gym. They yeah, and I actually a child. I watched uh, an extra episode, the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow episode, because it's September, so it's Halloween now. Um, <laughs> and he, Joe is is Matt kind of mad at Wishbone because Wishbone didn't come to basketball practice and he was like it was it was the first practice and like today of all days is my super unlucky day because it's Halloween and like you should have been there (laughs) so I'm pretty sure that's a second season episode or is that a first season episode uh I don't know I think it might have been a special actually because it was an hour long and the other ones were well it's kind of easy to to tell because I I purposely picked that last episode the um the Shakespeare one, because I just wanted to pick a season two one to see. And Joe, like, considerably grows. Oh, yeah. You know what? It was second season, then, because yeah, he's, like, a high schooler. It seems like second season, like, sucks more than first season. <laughs> it seems like they are like they treat Wishbone, like you said, more like he's a human, and it's less like, oh, what is my dog thinking? That's so cute. He reads books. In the second season, he's, like, a well-known person of the town. Yeah, or dog of the town. You know what I mean. Dog about town. <laughs> yeah, no, and and I, the show was successful. It won a Peabody Peabody Award. It won um some Emmys. Yeah, tons of awards. But I think I don't know why it didn't continue. That's what I couldn't find. It could be a funding thing, but I think also maybe the kids were just like probably getting too old. You weren't gonna have Wishbone yeah. go to college. As awesome as that would have been to see <laughs> Wishbone the college years. <laughs> I, I would have enjoyed that, but that might have just taken a different they tone. could have just treated him like a full-fledged human by then. If in the first season he was a dog, and in the second <laughs> season he was a dog about town. <laughs> by the time he's in college, he's just a person. <laughs> Joe's room I, in college. Yeah, I think that would actually... I would watch that. <laughs> but I think, it, you know, it would it would become a different show because the kind of stuff that you... Ah, actually, maybe not. I was going to say the kind of stuff that you read in college is different than the kind of stuff that you read in high school, but I actually had several times where books that I read in high school were assigned when I was in college, so I don't know. Yeah, and these don't definitely don't seem like middle school books. Like in the No, they're more high school stuff. So, um, But I would have loved to see an episode about, like, The Stranger by Camus or, like, (laughs) No Exit, you know, some of the existentialist stuff would have been really interesting. Yeah, treated in, like, 30 minutes um, (laughs) or even less because half of it's, like, the real story. I mean, I, I applaud how they could give you a little taste of these books in such a little amount of time. Mm hmm and I, I think, again, from hearing like the, um, the guy who started at Talk, Jim Ruddy, he 
that was his intention. He wasn't like I'm. These aren't the cliff notes to a book. Like I couldn't like you know write a summary on a book because of Wishbone. But you, you know you get the idea of a book, and then hopefully a kid picks it up and reads it because like oh I remember this. Hmm. Um, another uh, that, like that didn't work on me. I was like oh I don't have to read it. Well no I it didn't work on me either. It didn't, I, that's what I was gonna say. Like like I just felt like I had read the book after that. Yeah. Like there's an Ivanhoe episode that I did rewatch because I was like, "What episode was this?" And then I rewatched it, and I swore I read Ivanhoe, but I definitely did not read Ivanhoe because everything <laughs> I know about Ivanhoe was from that episode. Mm. Um, another thing I was going to say that I found interesting in the behind the scenes stuff is that, like, none of these people who are in this show are doing anything close to successful in television now if, if that makes mm. sense yeah somebody oh so the voice of wishbone larry talbot is currently a cast member at the dallas medieval times oh i read that too and it made me sad <laughs> i do not oh. like to read that <laughs> it was sad that is sad because yeah. think about it like every, every most people watch the show and love wishbone and his voice is cool it's like good for the dog and there's he does like three voice acting credits nothing i've ever heard of and like i just said he works at medieval times now yeah i must have paused this like 10 times like someone new would come on the screen and i'd be like oh that must be someone and i would look it up on imdb and i was like nope (laughs) they're fun um like wormholes to go down though because you end up looking at a bunch of weird movies that they made in 1985 (laughs) (laughs) david the one friend is a labor and delivery scheduler at a hospital in Los Angeles currently. Interesting. I'm sure people are so, con- you know, wanted to know what happened to him. But my favorite behind the scene person in this show, and I actually knew this beforehand, is uh, Mo Rocca, who eventually did oh, The really? Daily Show. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. And then I saw his name in the credits. What did he do? He, he wrote, wrote a couple one. episodes. He produced yeah. the first season. And, he, you know, he was like one of the producers in the first season. It was one of his first jobs, like out of college, huh. um, out of like big TV. I, big tv i put that in quotes but uh big tv jobs uh, so i i watched an interview with him and he kind of explained well he had a funny quote because while he was writer and producer for wishbone his other first job was like an editor for let me see perfect 10 magazine a, a <laughs> pornography magazine that that um what did he say oh their prominent feature was that they only feature women with natural breasts <laughs> I was like, wow. And then he's like, yeah. And then he had a funny quote. He's like, kids TV by day, porn by night. That's how I made it. Man, what an origin story. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, uh, Is he from Texas? I don't think the so. the whole thing was produced in Texas. Yeah. So I, just, I was curious. I, I'm i just inferring this, but I think he might be somebody who CBS assigned to the show. I mean, CBS, PBS assigned to the show once it mm. was like picked up. Because he doesn't gotcha. seem to have any Texas origins. He like i think he's from new york and he went to harvard yeah and, and not that you can't go to harvard from texas but yeah and and texas isn't exactly like a hotbed of public media <laughs> yeah that's interesting. so i just found it really interesting that this whole thing came out of texas and like not austin like sure there's plenty of stuff going on in austin but it was like plano texas which is a different place entirely yeah for sure that i mean that's a good point i didn't think about that like I don't know. I really, I really do like the fact that, again, this is like from that classic PBS system of just pitch a show, get the funding, get it on your affiliate, go nationwide, make a lot of people happy. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that. I didn't know it was in Texas, but I could tell that they were all trying not to sound Southern. <laughs> um, except every once in a while it would slip through, which like you don't hear on TV all that much. And I liked that. <laughs> Especially like the basketball coach and Joe would do it every once in a while. Yeah, Joe would. The mom sometimes. Real mother and son. Really? Really? Yes. What? Yeah. That's uh, the mom is his real mom. Oh yeah, they have the same last name. That makes sense. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I was gonna say they have a like a pretty good dynamic. Not that they're like good actors necessarily, but but like who cares? But I I, I do like her as a mom. You know, she's seems to just be that classic TV mom. I guess like I, I do like their dynamic. Shh. 
Yeah, she reminds me of Dawn Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Which I liked I'm... her except for the calculator part I had a hard time with. <laughs> well, okay, so this is a good a good time to uh, start talking about the episodes that we watched. Uh, season 1, Episode 5, Homer Sweet Homer, which was an adaptation of The Odyssey. Uh, season 1, Episode 23, Bark to the Future, an adaptation of The Time Machine. And Season 2, Episode 3, The Prince of Wags, which was about Henry IV. Um so the episode with the calculator is Bark to the Future, that second one that I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to go chronologically or do you want to, how do you want to do that? Your show. We, we can go chronologically. Okay. So Homer, Sweet Homer, The Odyssey. This was one of the uh, episodes that I remembered fairly vividly. Like I remember him drawing the bow and like trying to shoot an arrow, which <laughs> was really funny. Um, and then I realized when I was looking through the episode list that I can, like, I combined this one and Hercules and the Golden Apples <laughs> into uh, like a sucks. single one in my head. But yeah, no, um, yeah. So, well, say things. Th- I liked this one. Um, well, okay. So, uh, I, the Odyssey is a book I had probably since read obviously since i saw it on wishbone and it's just i mean obviously it's such a huge book that i was kind of curious like what parts of it they would do on wishbone and they kind of only did the end mm-hmm. um which i mean i'm not gonna get on that because like how much time do you actually have but that disappointed me because i would have liked to see like cyclops and more of like the mythical elements yeah, because they do it in other episodes. Like they, not that it's like high tech, but they show a lot of other cool stuff. And this is kind of just the return. Um, other than that, uh, I what I did like is the whole. Um, they kind of talk about Homer a little bit, and just like the idea of like Greek epic storytelling, and mm-hmm. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I actually wound up spending a lot of time on the odyssey in school because i took latin uh for several years and instead of actually learning the language we just studied like greco-roman uh history culture and myth so (laughs) that's cool so this was one that i had a a better understanding of i think than than others i have no understanding of the odyssey and this was the first one that i watched like i watched them in the order that we just said them in these episodes Mm -hmm. and so like and and it did feel like the end of a story when they started telling the story and so like six minutes in i was like oh this is over (laughs) it It was still just the beginning um but i i think out of all three i can't tell this was my favorite one and it was the one i like took the most notes on but it also could have been because it was the first one that i watched (laughs) and like by the second one i was like okay and then by the third one i was like yeah um, well, but I liked the, I uh, I I also liked that last part where they started like talking about the history. Well, I think that was my favorite part, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that like that was cool because that's like how how long did they take on that? Like thirty seconds, but it was definitely like informative, especially if you're a kid, you know. Um, what do you guys think of like the side plot of this one, though? Or I shouldn't say the side plot, cause, you know the normal plot. I mean, it's basically the plot to I Heart Huckabees, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they, uh, they have a neighborhood park that some, like, mall developer acquires and wants to cut down all the trees and build a mall on top of. Um, so that's why I was my, thinking that. He did my favorite thing that anyone did in any of these episodes, which is that when he walked into the park, he had a giant cell phone in his hand, <laughs> and he was, like, talking and talking and talking, and then out of nowhere, he picked up the phone and put it to his head, and he said, I'll get back to you later, and then he put it back down. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wishbone did that? The, uh... No, 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 the guy, the suit oh, guy, yeah, who the... was going to tear the tree down. Mr. King was okay. his name, like, our, like, Donald Trump yeah. developer guy. It was like they just were like, do something with the cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> he did a thing that like, kind of made no sense. 
So, so the actors uh, on Wishbone are like filled out by local Dallas like play actors, like theater actors, and mm. sometimes it's like not surprising, you know, not dissing <laughs> the local Dallas theater scene, but. No, but I think that's what all kids stuff is. Like we talked about that a bunch when we watched um, that we Kinkle's sing. party. Kinkle's party yeah. was the same thing. Yeah, we were like, "How do you cast something like this?" <laughs> it's just like, just like community theater, theater people, actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. So, I mean, it's it's kind of cool that like the themes of like what I don't know if that counts as deforestation, but kind of. I mean, I guess he was going to knock down the forest. So yeah. Um, and just yeah i mean green spaces you know important parts of our community getting destroyed so we can have more malls (laughs) i like uh what's this kid's name god sorry i'm terrible with the names of this show but that's okay joe's friend his name is the friend who was at first he was like i wanted a tasty oasis and then i changed my mind (laughs) he's like oh sweet a tasty (laughs) oasis (laughs) Well, yeah, because they're at, like, a community board meeting or, like, town hall meeting or whatever at the end of the episode, and each one of them is, like, getting up, and they're supposed to give these speeches as to, like, why this should remain a green space and not a mall, and they are not good speeches. (laughs) Except for the last one, uh, his uh, friend. (laughs) The girl. The girl. Yeah, that one made me cry a little bit. I, so I was thinking, you know, obviously Joe's the main character, right? Mm-hmm. Normally in TV writing or any kind of writing, wouldn't you have Joe do the last speech? But they just must have known that he kind of like would suck at well, his speech. Yeah, I mean, Joe he's do kind everything, of everything though. Like, who cares about Joe? And they've, I feel like they already established that he's like kind of a doofus. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like he like gets everything. Like he gets to be the captain of the basketball team, and like he gets all smart about math, and he gets this cool dog. Like, and he's not that cool. I, don't know. <laughs> I was like, I was annoyed by Joe a little bit, and and also annoyed by like the morality of the show. Um, in some ways. Did you want it to be darker? Did you want it like? Well, <laughs> but look at look at the literature that they're choosing. It's so complex, and it's so. Some of it is really dark. Like, of course they they don't. They don't go there because it's a kids show. But like, mm-hmm. I think that's annoying to choose these like really complex stories and then to run it alongside a story where the ending is always happy. Like, come on. But there's a cute mm. dog. Yeah. So there, there could a be a, a disappointing ending and a cute dog. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I was it just took a second to think about that. I mean, on PS, I love Hoffman. I think in like five movies, at least so far, there's been a dog character. The dog always survives. Not character, but you know, the dog always survives. And it's just like, yay, you know, and, and the dog comes on screen and everyone's happy. I don't know on a PBS show if they could have complicated this with the dog, you know. I mean, they could have. Would have been interesting. It would have been groundbreaking, but I it's guess. like, what if they didn't always win? Maybe and maybe they don't always win. I only watch three episodes. Always win. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't seen. I mean, I probably have seen enough, but I don't remember all the ones I saw today. They kind of won. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Joe always wins in the end. Or well, like actually, so family or the town or whatever. His friend, that's a girl. Her name is Sam. Sam. Uh, she's the one who seems to always win. Like, cause she is like smarter and. Uh, like just better at things and prettier than everyone else and like just always <laughs> seems to be like the character that like or at least among the children like manages to like have her Hermione. shit together yeah she oh, is the good. Hermione yeah. that's a good uh, that's a good example yeah as a kid I was really drawn to her the most and I can't remember why but I just remember being like this girl's pretty cool me too, and I remember having some very confusing feelings about her. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm, she's really pretty. Well, it's like well, maybe that. I think that's why I'm so mad at Joe. Is like <laughs> you look at all you look at all the people around Joe, and like he doesn't deserve to be the protagonist, but he is because yeah. he's the white boy. You know. True. He's also. I don't. Maybe it has to do with the fact that he. It's like a mother son thing. Like in terms of casting, that they're just. 
Maybe they really like the mom, and they're like, oh, I, my son has to be on. But again, I don't know how she could demand <laughs> this kind of power in this like <laughs> Texas PBS world, but I don't know. No, but you're right. He, he's like, Joe's a dope. Even when he gets older, he's even more of a dope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like he tries harder in season one. In season two, he just feels like he doesn't want to... Again, I, I saw one episode today from season two. But I feel like he just doesn't want to be there in season two. Yeah, and, like, he just, um, between the season two episode that we all watched and the Sleepy Hollow episode, his focus is, like, entirely basketball. Like, that's all that he cares about. (laughs) Basketball. And, like, everything else is just annoying. Um, which I guess is a good segue to talk about the second episode, Bark to the Future. Uh, which, like I said, is about the time machine and then the B plot that, like, real world uh, plot line is that he's in math class and he has a hard time with math, which I feel you, Joe. Um, And uh, he gets this fancy new calculator and he's like, oh, sweet. Now I don't have to do math with my brain. And then like at the end of the episode, he learns that uh, sometimes you also have to use your brain for math and you can't just rely on the calculator because you won't always have a calculator, which is not true. This is not true. And you need your brain to do math with a calculator. Like, you need to know what numbers to type in to the calculator. (laughs) No, but if the calculator has fractions, it's okay. I like, oh, a fraction button. Here's where I thought the mom was a terrible mom. (laughs) (laughs) They were sitting in the kitchen and his and joe's friend was there and his mom was there and he gave his mom his test and she was like oh c minus and he was like so embarrassed and like his friend was like hey all you need is this calculator and the friend gives him a calculator and the mom lets him but then comes over and is like joe we talked about calculator it's like it was alcohol seriously I know, and you know, it, it, it's true. But I thought that it was weird that if, if that kid wasn't allowed to have a calculator, why would she let the friend give it to him? She's the adult in the room. All she would have to because... say is, like, sorry, Joe can't have this calculator. <laughs> but he has to learn for himself, that's why. Because if she just keeps taking the calculator away and says, Joe, you can't have this calculator, you know, he's going to be like, oh, mom won't let me have a calculator. She's such a bitch. But, like... <laughs> You know, if he learns that he's reliant on this calculator and then finds himself in a situation where he does not have access to the calculator, which, not not to be a spoiler, but Joe, don't worry, soon we'll all have cell phones. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I wrote. I wrote, like, wouldn't kids just, like, laugh out loud at that today? Like, yeah. To tell oh, someone absolutely. they can't have a piece of technology? It's unheard of. Yeah, but, it's but bananas. The lesson, though, with the time machine, like, now the episode would be easier to do. It wouldn't be about, like, math class necessarily, but, you know, they really have to go to PBS. It would be more about, like, oh, don't be so reliant on your phones kind of thing. Right. Um, but back then... It'd be more about trying to get someplace without GPS. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and I know we don't want to do, like, scene-by-scene analysis here, and I don't want to take up too much of you guys' times, but I, this that, like, garage sale scene or that yard sale scene was so... Mm-hmm. That bothered me. Like, the one guy who's in a rush at a yard sale on a Saturday. <laughs> See, he's a kid. He's like a 12-year-old kid. They were so mean to him. And for the woman, Wanda, who, like... Who, who, I like Wanda. I like yeah, her, too, but why character. is she discounting things 55% off? Like, 37.5% off on, like, a hat? It's like, it doesn't... Like, Jesus Christ. But she's the wacky character. It's actually <laughs> yes, totally yes. consistent with her her character. Still, still makes me angry. <laughs> well, that that scene actually like really stressed me out because I've always had a really hard time with math. Like I see numbers and I just start sweating. Wait, I, can, um, I can't blame him. I can't blame yeah, him. Yeah, I know. For being I felt really, this was actually hard to watch. I felt really bad for him. It was really stressful to watch him try to do math. Yeah, under. Like this time constraint of this guy. Who <laughs> yeah, like people yelling at him, and then and then the to pizza guy was standing there too. <laughs> yeah, the pizza, the pizza guy. I did like that actor. He seemed like I he looked was... him up. I thought he might be somebody. He's not. <laughs> I think he might have actually been the pizza guy, like for their neighborhood. Uh, well, interestingly, this is a kind of a connection with our last episode. Um, he says something about like the pizza being under 30 
minutes you know the delivery guarantee is like under 30 minutes or it's free which was like a really big thing around that time i don't know if you guys remember but like all of the the pizza places were doing that sort of gimmick that like um you know delivery within this certain time window or the pizza's free uh which uh, we didn't, in our last episode, didn't actually watch the episode where this happens in Pete and Pete, but in one episode of Pete and Pete. But let's be honest, we both watched it. <laughs> yeah. Ellen works as um, a delivery, a pizza delivery woman, uh, where she has to wear this bunny costume and deliver things in under 30 minutes or it's free. Oh, I do remember that. That's the yeah. last episode. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. Yep. Oh my god. Epic. Sorry, it just went to like a nostalgia head thing that's what Uh, this is for true (laughs) um yeah i I guess that was like a 90s thing 30 minutes or i mean i don't know i haven't ordered a pizza in a while yeah i mean i just remember seeing the commercials i lived somewhere that like didn't have pizza delivery because everything was too far apart (laughs) but (laughs) gotcha um i did like wanda though because even with her weird discounts, she's the one who showed Joe that the decimal trick, when you're doing like 10% of something, you just move the decimal over. Like, his math teacher didn't show him Exactly. That? I actually made that note. I'm glad you brought it up. What the hell? Like, she's a better teacher than his math teacher. Yeah, like, no wonder he can't do math. <laughs> I don't, I, like, I don't like his math teacher's attitude. He, like, when he comes up to him, he's like, Joe, you got this. Like, I know it's, like, positive, but he doesn't know. Yeah. It also seems inappropriate for a teacher to do that in the middle of a test during a class. <laughs> yeah, there's just a weird vibe with him. I mean, applaud. I applaud them for, like, uh, isn't he, like, disabled and stuff? Yeah, he's a wheelchair user, yeah. which I was actually really surprised he by. You don't usually Hispanic see. He's a Hispanic wheelchair user. Yeah, uh, this is, by the way, this town is very diverse. Um, well, it is Texas. I mean, uh, I know Joe is the yes lead. <laughs> But the mayor is black, um, as we see in the first episode we watched. The whole basketball team is black. Well, <laughs> um, the except ca- for all the cheerleaders are white. That's a little, a little weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I feel like it was like that thing in the '90s where they were like, "Well, if we just put some black people here and make sure we have some girls and like a couple of Hispanic people and like one Asian, like we did it." They're like checking off boxes. The diversity and they were rainbow. Like, oh yeah, yeah a wheelchair guy. <laughs> and and like, Hispanic. I don't Two know. Boxes I there. I like. I I can't like speak about it too intelligently because like I'm I'm white and not disabled so like I can't say what it would feel like to see that maybe it would be great for me to see that if I had never seen myself represented on TV before but it just like felt like they were checking off boxes because mm-hmm. the mean, show was still about a white boy that yeah that's the thing all these teams in the 90s that were assembled with diversity were led by a white guy um, and that is wow, it's way. amazing how much has changed since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different now. Yeah. True, true. We've come so far. Just speaking, though, from like a Hispanic kid growing up, m- myself, just to clarify, um, it was, I would always like seeing, there was just always a little something like, oh, cool, this is a diverse town. That's awesome. But mm-hmm. it is like looking back now, yeah, there is like obvious efforts to make it that way. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, like, a stupid way to go about it. Especially when we yeah. go back to Joe being the dummy white kid, too. Like. Yeah, because, like, when I when I experienced, like, watching that kind of stuff as a girl, like, it was obvious to me that the girls were always, like, smarter and cooler, but they never let them have their own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. it was just, The girl was always just, like, the friend or the peripheral character or something. Yeah, and in these shows, like, the girl who's the friend never has other friends who are girls. No. Yeah. It, it's it's so weird. It's like... Well, that's because she's a cool girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, the cool girls hang out with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's true. But regardless, I, I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on on this, this episode? I, I, I thought the... Oh, yeah. I did want to talk about, like, the H.G. Wells part of it a little bit. Okay. Um, I've never read that book. I'm not sure if that's accurate to the book, but it is a little like um, th- there are certain like timeless stories, no pun intended there, and I feel like that's definitely 
something that could be applicable today. But like as I mentioned, it would not they would not tie it into a calculator story, in um it for the B story as he put it. Yeah. I don't know. I never read it either, and I like time travel stuff. But for some reason, the time machine has never like been of interest to me. Who knows? I mean, again, I just applaud them for tackling H.G. Wells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was Bark to the Future, and then the third episode. Prince of Wags, Henry the Fourth, which I definitely did not read and have like no context for. No, that's uh, no. also kind of the reason like I picked this one. I, I didn't even remember this episode. Um and it just it felt so heavy and I wanted to see how they tackled it. Yeah. Eh. What'd you think? <laughs> yeah, this was the least good one. Out of the three. Well, well, we discussed like the whole season two aspect of like I, like older Joe and I think they're I didn't see too many of the other season two episodes, but they kind of also downplay the other characters, um, mm-hmm. Sam and the there's other. Less, there's a lot of basketball jargon in this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so well, they needed to waste time. The B plot in this one that. is about Joe getting like elected as captain of his basketball team and learning about being a leader or something and having stinky socks. Is that this episode or a different episode that I watched? The stinky socks. I, I don't think that was this one. <laughs> I don't okay, remember. that was the Sleepy Hollow episode, so okay. never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It, it goes back to, like, I'm not sure why they elected Joe Captain. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like much of a leader. No, that, this is where I was the most <laughs> mad at him. <laughs> He's super not confident, you know, like, usually in those kind of settings, you kind of elect the confident kid that just yeah. naturally what happens. I don't know, leadership, maybe it's related, I'm not sure, but he's well, just like, me? I mean... I'm the captain? <laughs> I hope to do Are a good Are you sure, job. guys? <laughs> yeah, and then, like, the dick kid, uh, DeMont, who is, was in most of the episodes that I watched, I think, he, just being that, like, archetypal bully, endless Mike Hellstrom character, um, he is mad because he didn't get to be captain of the basketball team. So he's a featured person in the other season two episodes, or like, a, like a- he was in the um, one that I watched. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it was like this whole Halloween episode, and he's they're like out and about on Halloween night, and he's being you know a terror. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling season two as much. Yeah, I had the hardest time with like the with like the sto- the fantasy story too. Um I thought that it had like the the most amount of like bad wigs and overacting oh <laughs> that my made God. it like a little bit laughable. <laughs> the yeah, the whole um they actually won the Emmy for like costume design and I guarantee it was not for this season. <laughs> You would think they would have, like, upped the budget for them, but no. Uh, what's, like, I guess his dad, Wishbones, the character's father, is a terrible, like, costume. He might be wearing a fake mustache, I can't remember. It just, he, he looked terrible. And it's also, like, a complex story with a battle. Yeah. Really? I must have not been paying attention at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was hard to pay attention to this one. No, I I definitely agree. I think sometimes they um, bit off. No, that's a terrible pun. But they bit off like too too. Like what is this, what's the phrase? More than they could yes, chew. Yes, more than they could chew. Um, because this isn't like if you're if I was gonna name right now the top ten Shakespeare plays I know, and I'm not like a Shakespeare enthusiast. This is not in there. Yeah. No. Definitely not. And it wasn't like they were like running out of material. It was only no. the second season. <laughs> they have the entire Western canon of classic literature <laughs> to choose from. Maybe like it was easier to get the rights to this one. <laughs> like, I mean, that's possible. I guess. I, I don't think I don't you know. have to get the rights to I, Shakespeare I don't think anymore. You do yeah, either, it's in but the public I'm domain. Just trying to think of reasons. Because <laughs> it's Henry the Fourth, Part One. Right, and isn't Henry VIII, like, the famous one? I, yeah, I think so, yeah. 
So I, I really don't. Because I like had to double check my Roman numerals. I was like, am I reading this right? Because I thought it was Henry VIII. I didn't even know that Shakespeare wrote a Henry the Fourth Part One. So. <laughs> it's amazing that there's two parts. Now, now to be right. clear, it's the play is Henry the Fourth Part One. There's no part two of this episode. It's just right a, a part I, again. Maybe the Texas theater troupe demanded that they could pick one thing that they could do on screen to show like their chops and this is like the play they picked all right we'll do the show but we have to pick this we have to produce this really obscure shakespeare play i don't know how obscure it is but it's obscure to me so it's obscure enough that mainstream people don't know it and that's fine there's a lot of books that like definitely kids don't know it Mm-hmm. But at least pick something that kids might probably have to read in high school. Well, I scrolled yeah. through all the episodes because I wanted to just have an idea of like what else they did, and they did do they did like Romeo and Juliet and maybe another one, but you know, like things that like kids would would at least have maybe heard of. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah, I mean Macbeth, right? Hamlet, Midsummer Night's Dream, not like a history epic. Yeah, like yeah. So <laughs> There's no like that's where the dog does not help. Like it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really not much to talk about this episode either. Sorry for picking that one. It's okay. Um, what were the other episodes that you watched? So I watched one of, with like I forgot what it was called, but it was like a Pride and Prejudice one. Okay. And it was pretty good because it was just like funny, and it it was one of those again where like Wishbone's supposed to be a hot man. <laughs> Wait, does he play Mr. Darcy? Yeah, he's Darcy. Okay. So, interesting. Uh, that one was cool. What else? I so I had a bunch on in the background that I wasn't really like I was doing other stuff, but I would just like peep in from time to time. So the the Ivanhoe one, like I think I mentioned earlier was actually pretty good. There's some like kind of weird biblical ones. Okay. I don't know if it's like a Texas thing, but it seemed kind of weird like um public television doing like Bible stories, but like there's a there's a David and Goliath, but that's I guess just like a traditional story, right? I'm gonna, I'm mm-hmm. gonna try to look it up quickly. But then they go into like other religions, uh, stories from other religions, which I guess if you're just being fair, I don't know. Um, but 50 episodes. Season one is a lot bigger than season two for obvious reasons. Yeah. But like you said, they, it's not like they run out of material, so I, I don't really understand where they were going but again i'm not shitting on this show though i'm happy they did it i enjoyed it as a kid at least peripherally it helped me pretend that i read books which is kind of (laughs) it's kind of ironic because like it's kind of what the calculator episode is about like brian don't don't depend on wishbone for your reading this is a really good segue (laughs) into something that i want to bring up and it's that like like we grew up on all of this tv that was like it was framed as like being educational and like making us smarter and like teaching us shit and like it didn't like (laughs) like this you know this was all filled with like moral lessons of like don't chop down the trees and like take care of each other and be a leader and like whatever and like i don't think any of that actually made us different than we would have been anyway i mean it's not like this made the world a better place well no but i don't think the people who are in charge of like who make the big deforestation um decisions are of the age to would have watched this show well that was one of the questions i wrote down was that like are are we just not are enough of us not in charge yet or did it not work (laughs) It's a good question. I don't know. Um, I feel like the deforestation episode was part of like a larger zeitgeist of caring about forests, though. Because like, remember in the '90s when everyone like cared about the rainforest? Yeah. You oh know? yeah, that and, was like, a big deal. Yeah, that was a huge deal. And now, like, I mean, I think environmental issues are more mainstream, but like as far as actual. For, like issues of the forest and like forest cover on the earth it's like one of the lesser concerns isn't it weird how like certain concerns get trendy 
Like not, yeah. to, not to go off on a tangent, but no, you're absolutely right. You bring that up, and I think of a movie like Fern Gully. I don't know if you guys have Fern seen Gully that. Fern Gully is yeah. so good, and I just I just want to take a moment to say that if anyone out there is listening and wants to do an episode of Wistful Thinking about Fern Gully, I am so here for it. Please send us an email. Definitely What's tune into that What's our email address? Uh, wistfulpod at gmail.com. Wistfulpod at gmail.com. Fern Gully. Let's do it. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> no, just bringing up Ferngali, I guess. <laughs> How it's just part of this deforestation movement, or like yeah. love the rainforest movement, like you were discussing, and and I don't know. I hopefully it made us better people, but who knows? Like the bulk of the oldest of someone who watched this show seriously was is probably like I don't know, still early thirties, right? Yeah, they're probably our age. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know if like that's really taken effect, but then again, this isn't the first show to educate people. No. Does anyone know like if they're still doing TV like this today? Obviously, probably not that quality, but I, I'm just so detached from children's PBS shows that I really don't know what's on anymore. It seems a lot more animated, though. It. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know that much about it. I know that I have a friend with a three-year-old, and he loves Daniel Tiger. Who's basically like it's it's kind of Mister Rogers y, except it's all animated. Um, oh yeah 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 I I I heard about that I didn't know that was still on that's cool. Um, so like I know that so yeah I mean I think they still do this same kind of like message TV. So maybe it doesn't work I don't know. So what what should we do then? I don't know. We should just look at each other in the face and like talk to each other and like stop watching TV. I guess. I don't know. No. I'm we're not going to do that. Like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um I think cute dogs like, could I, be better utilized. I, th- I think yeah. I I think like the other thing that I was annoyed by in this was like like every episode has the general message of like if you do the right thing good things will happen and everything will work out and like i feel like everything we watched had that message and it's just like so not so not true oh yeah so not true like i feel so ruined by that shit Yeah, I mean, maybe... I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at your ruination, no, but... No, it's funny, it's funny, they ruined that. Like, they told us it was going to be easy, and if we were good, things would be good, and it's not true. Well, that's why I find this, like, age that we keep coming back to so compelling, like I said, because, like, at some point, you realize that all of that is a lie, <laughs> you know? Uh, indeed it is. I mean, I think that's why it's so hard, again, to watch Joe now, because Joe is a dope like a pushover dope and he succeeds and he does well and his friends love him anyway and he gets elected captain Mm -hmm. and that's just not how the real world works but it does work that way if you're a white dude i don't know if i feel like the other guy's definitely going to be elected captain of that basketball team for example which what guy the bully demont yeah demont you think that he's the real captain I don't think he should mm, be the know. captain. I think he he'd be elected in real life. I don't know about that because he's a real dick. Like, and I, but the dick and, always sure. gets elected captain. Uh, what I are mean, Joe's merits? Always. Let's debate the merits of Joe's captaincy <laughs> right now. Listen, I agree with you that Joe has no business being the captain of that basketball team. But uh, I don't think you know, like, I, the dick doesn't always win. I mean. Clearly, the outcome of our last presidential election <laughs> is not a great indicator of that. Maybe that's but... why I'm so jaded. But Yeah. Well, it's hard not to be. Feels like it happens Some, a lot. Sometimes the dick might it certainly be a better does. captain, too. Well, yeah, I think that a lot of the personality traits that lead to somebody being a dick are, <laughs> are also what we think of as leadership qualities. Oh, right. boy. But it can like it can go in kind of two different directions, you know. Are you a tyrant or are you somebody who leads by example and like pulls, you know, pulls people up, uh, like the people below you, you know, extending a hand to them? It can go kind of different ways, management style wise. We started off talking about like a cute little dog reading books, and now I'm depressed, <laughs> and I don't know how we got here. Uh, welcome to wistful thinking. That's what we do. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>
is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or uh, that can pull us up from this hole that we've got ourselves into? <laughs> well, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, Soccer the dog who played Wishbone. Oh my god, yes. I didn't get a chance to read about him. Does his ear actually have a paw print on it? <laughs> it actually did. That's how he... No. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but he so was... They did do a whole uh, casting search for this dog, They, which seems a little odd because it was like a small Texas production, but they went out to L.A. and saw like a thousand <laughs> dogs or something like that. They They just wanted a small dog, but they really didn't care about breed. Uh-huh. And as someone who works with dogs, Jack Russell's, who I love because I love spunky dogs, maybe because I, you know, because of Wishman, I don't know. But uh, Jack Russell's have like big personalities and they're, they're yeah. notoriously kind of harder to train, but they're very smart. Um, so I, it's kind of surprising that a Jack Russell won this out, but he had been in like some commercials before soccer, mm-hmm. the dog. And the only thing with him is he wasn't good at stunts. So he had a couple stunt <laughs> a body doubles. double? He oh had four God, stunt doubles. What does it mean that wow. a dog is not good at stunts? <laughs> I, so, as the creator explained it, he was really good for like walking in the room, looking cute, barking, approaching people. But in terms of like jumping around, I guess I don't know. Like <laughs> the stunts he does, uh, especially in like the action scenes, um, they had like particular dogs that had particular sets of skills. <laughs> um, and just I want to acknowledge them. Their names were Phoebe, Bear, Slugger, and Shiner. So all of which are much better dog names than Soccer. Soccer is a pretty dumb dog name, but Soccer was named after his favorite toy, a soccer ball. Th- a, yes, that was my deep dive of Wishbone slash Soccer facts, not the sport, obviously the dog. <laughs> and I guess I guess that's it. Um, yeah, like there's not a lot to find on this show. Nah, it's which is kind of a shame. Yeah, it is. Um, it's certainly not uh, a timeless show. Like I can't imagine if I ever have children that they will ever encounter this show, unless I. Force but like, would you show it to them? Would I show it? To- yeah, I, I mean, I guess. I just don't think that they'd be very interested in it. I don't yeah. think the kids today would be very interested in it. They'd be like, well, who needs a calculator? Why doesn't he just use his phone? <laughs> well, they might be interested for, like, nostalgia factor. Like, what's that? Eh, but I don't think kids care that much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They'd be like, this is dumb. Can we watch <laughs> D- Daniel Tiger or, like, whatever the equivalent is? I, I, I don't know. I was a little disappointed. I, I remembered this a lot more fondly than uh, it turned out to be. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I was I was disappointed, but again, I'm happy it exists. It won awards. It it helped me read or pr- pretend I read. Um, it made <laughs> it me launched f- Moraka's career. Yeah, it launched Moraka's career. Um, it it did some very good things. It, mm-hmm. it has a cute dog. I'll still again. Yep. I, I if this show did not have the dog, and I know that's like an impossible proposition, but if th- this show did not have the dog, <laughs> it would be crap. What yeah, if this it would be show garbage. Was all dogs. Now we're talking. Hmm. Now that's a show that I would watch. I kept thinking that because in the beginning, when I like couldn't get over that they were like treating the dog like a man, and, like, the dog <laughs> had a son. I was like, well, what if this is all dogs? And then I, I think that I would like it a lot better, but I think it probably would have been impossible to make if it was all dogs. Yeah, they would never have gotten yeah. fifty episodes in. Right. <laughs> I but guess I think it would have been a better show. Probably. Yeah. I agree. They could have animated it. And no, that would all be live like, action dogs. Wow. Yeah, it's not the same as you're animating it. The cool thing is about seeing a live action dog just be cute, you know? Imagine like a whole battle scene of well, no, that, that tiny dogs. Yeah, that. <laughs> Big dogs, medium-sized dogs. It'd be super cool. It would. Yeah, but I, I would watch. I mean, part of seeing like the fun of this is like just Live action dog movies are cool, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, because of seeing all the different types of dogs interact with each other and have sassy personalities. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't translate. I mean, we're, animated. we're basically talking about the puppy bowl. Essentially. I mean, look how popular that is, and for, for, yeah. for good reason. But, the, the, but the, in the puppy bowl, they don't give the dogs voices, right? 
Uh, it's just like a bunch of puppies no, running no. around, and they yeah. and they do commentary on they it. Have but the dogs right. are not yeah. speaking. I mean, that'd be pretty hard to do. <laughs> it's so funny. I would definitely watch that. <laughs> yeah, they should. They should just get like a bunch of good voice actors. Like, yeah, that's your puppy right there, dude. Yeah, you got a bunch speak of improvisers. Yeah, and you just you know you have a good director, like a good audio guy, just like cutting back and forth. I don't know. I think yeah. we I think we uh, landed on something here. I think we did. <laughs> Does anybody have a phone number for somebody at Animal Planet I or wish. an email address? We got a pitch to a pitch to do. That'd be cool, but yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I guess this is the end of the podcast. Uh, and thanks for listening to Wistful Thinking. You can find us and more movie and nostalgia podcasts from the Cage Club Podcast Network at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm Kara Gail O'Regan with Jordan Poland Clark. Do you want to say anything? Oh, Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'm done. Uh, and Brian Rodriguez. Forget me. And <laughs> this I'm just was too us. Depressed. Oh. What a terrible note to end on. No, no, but don't, this don't end was... there. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do? We'll say something happier then. I'm trying to land the plane. Uh, it's Wait, not can... a plane, it's a bus. It's a bus. I'm trying to park the bus. Park the bus, land the plane, do whatever. But definitely listen to P.S. I Love Hoffman as well. Yeah. That's on Cage that. Club. Yeah, I was... Dot me. I was... Yes. I was on their Patch Adams episode oh, yeah, yeah. talking about Patch Adams. Uh, they recently came out with their almost famous episode, which was excellent and made me realize that I can recite the entire movie. Um, and so that was a fun travel back in time. So definitely check out P.S. I Love Hoffman and all of the other fun Cage Club Network shows. This was Wistful Thinking. This was us talking about wish, Wishbone. And we'll we'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. <laughs>